Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you. It is, yes, the 12th night to all. Um, 12th night can also be tomorrow, depending on how you reckon your days. Now, whether you do it from uh, sunset to sundown, or sunset to sunset, I should say, or sunrise to sunrise, or 12 hours to 12 hours. So, some of the 12th night traditions got moved uh, to the Feast of Epiphany, which we'll celebrate tomorrow. Uh, our church, churches celebrate tomorrow. And uh, so some of those traditions are there. You can actually learn more about that if you listen to today's Christian History Almanac, uh, which is at 1517.org. It's a podcast that I help produce. I do the audio production on it. So you can go hear that. All right. Before we begin, I just want to, uh, you never know what's going to happen here once we hit nine o'clock. It seems as if uh, there are certain internet services that reset or something at nine o'clock and then everything kind of goes wonky. So um, we'll just make sure everything is in place. I was hoping that we'd do better than yesterday. Uh, so far, so far, at least uh, the video hasn't completely gone wonky. So hopefully you can watch. Good. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our memory verse for this week, we say together. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 8. Our psalm this week is the second half of Psalm 104, so we begin at verse 16. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests, the stork has her home in the fir trees. Oh, yes. You want to see the words? <laughs> Thanks for the note. Let's go back. We can start the psalm over again. Sorry for that. There we go. I was so excited to move. Ah, yes, the words. There we go. Let's try that again. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests. The stork has her home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows its time for setting. You make darkness, and it is night, when all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. There go the ships, and Leviathan which you formed to play in it. 
these all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them all, or give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Who looks on the earth and it trembles. Who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our first reading today, as we recognize Simeon and Anna, is from Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come, they shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. There ends the reading. Of course, you can hear uh, an anticipation of tomorrow with the visit of the Magi, which we recognize on Epiphany, uh, all prophetically spoken of here by the prophet Isaiah in chapter 60. Our reading for catechesis today is the continuation from St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, 
and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity, and this woman was a widow of about eighty-four years, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So when they had performed all things, according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. All right, there ends the reading. All right, let's go back to the beginning. Um, and ask the question, who are we talking about? What man was in Jerusalem? His name is, you see it right there, Simeon, right? Uh, why was he there? What does it say? There it was. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Uh, the consolation of Israel, you can see it's capitalized here in the New King James, it's right. This is a title um, for the birth of the Savior, for Jesus. All right. Uh, and who was upon him again? We have that there in verse 25. The Holy Spirit, you can see. Um, why was Simeon called uh, righteous or just and devout? See that there in verse 25? What does that mean to be just and devout? Those are two different terms, right? Just is again, eustachare uh, from Greek. It's, it's to be justified or righteous. All right. But to be careful with these terms because I think sometimes we impart maybe more of an English understanding of them from the English word. Uh, but what does it mean according to the text? Uh, if we go back to chapter one, where we hear of Zechariah and Elizabeth, it says that they were both, here's the word again, righteous or just, excuse me, um, before God. And then it says, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Okay. Um, same thing, just and devout, um, but spoken of differently there. Uh, we see it again in verse 17, uh, referring to John the Baptist. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, of the just. There it is again to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Uh, if we skip ahead in Luke's gospel all the way to chapter 14, see a little bit more about these terms. Um, this is the parable of, I guess you can call it the ambitious guest, right? Who chose the place of honor. At the end it says, and you will be blessed because you, they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the, and there's the word again, decap. Ao, or Aon there, uh, the just, the righteous. At the end of uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, we're going to see it again. We look at that. Uh, now on the first day of the week, right? That section, the so 23, verse 47. Uh, actually, at his crucifixion, right before that, the centurion saw what was happened. He glorified God, saying, certainly this was a just, righteous Whatever, whichever translation you prefer, man, right? Referring to Jesus himself. And then uh, Joseph, a council member, a good and just man, righteous man. Uh, this is New King James that I'm looking at. 
it's inconsistent. Sometimes it's translated righteous, sometimes it's translated just. It's always the same word in Greek. So I guess they're saying context matters. Uh, if we look at uh, Luke chap- Luke book 2, also known as the Acts of the Apostles, remember those two books written by um, the f- great physician, or the physician, Luke. Uh, chapter 5, or excuse me, chapter 2, verse 5, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout, there's that word, uh, devoted, uh, men from every nation under heaven. Right. So what does it mean that they were devoted? That's going to be the question. Uh, if we skip ahead to Acts chapter 8, again, still the same. Same author, so uh, similar usage of the word. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. And we'll do one more example. So we're dealing with devout now. Uh, Luke, t- or excuse me, Acts chapter 22. Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to see me. And he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. All right, so that's Paul. Um, recalling his conversion um, to the Jerusalem mob. All right. So many examples there of both righteous or just and devout. Uh, It simply means this. He's been justified by the word of God. He's been made right by the word of God, and he holds to that word of God. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. He holds to it because he believes, and he's been waiting, that the Savior would come, right? So he's holding fast to the promise. This is really just describing um, the way of the faithful um, who are justified by faith in that word of God. Righteous and devout. Righteous by the forgiveness of sins, devout um, by hearing the word of God and keeping it. All right. Now, what had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit, of course? See that in verse 26, that he would not see death before the Lord's Christ. Before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, here's a question. He came by the Spirit into the temple. Why did these things happen in the temple courts, do you think? All right, remember, this is Luke chapter 2. What happens at the end in Luke 24, for example? Uh, Let's see, we'll go pretty far into the chapter. They return to the temple. This time, Uh, Jesus, I'll go back a couple of verses, he led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God, right? So remember, all the primary missionary activity in Luke Acts is given in the temple initially until they're finally cast out uh, by the Pharisees there. So this is pointing forward to the end of the gospel, uh, when the disciples waited for the Holy Spirit in the temple, right before Pentecost, that they might proclaim the salvation of God to the ends of the earth. All right, then Simeon sings a song, right? And it's noted as such here. We sing it as a song. And uh, what do we call Simeon's song? Yeah, it's in Latin, it's called the Nunc Dimittis, right? Which just means, now let us, right? as we sing it, or now you are letting. When do we sing this song in the divine service? Yeah, it comes after the reception of the Lord's Supper. Uh, we're in using currently divine service setting one. Um, it's a little bit dated. Uh, I don't think it's held up quite as well as, of course, divine service setting three, which is quite a bit more beautiful, I think, musically. 
Uh, and the Nook Dimittis is probably one of the weakest elements of Divine Service Setting 1. Uh, but we're singing it regardless. And uh, we're getting the hang of it, I think. Right? We sing it after the Lord's Supper. Now, that is, if you haven't heard this from me before, that is a unique contribution uh, or unique element to the liturgy among Lutherans. All right? So if you go and attend other um, sacramental congr- uh, churches or faiths, confessions of faith, I should say, so maybe um, an Episcopalian church or a Roman Catholic church, uh, where they follow a, this, a similar order for the service of the, of the Lord's Supper, they don't sing the Nuctimittis. They don't sing the, um, that after communion. Uh, that was added by Luther. That was a unique innovation by Luther. Um, but I think it's a beautiful one and one that's fitting for us to retain. This is why I prefer to sing that, if at all possible, uh, because it's a unique part of our heritage. Uh, and here's what's going on there. Uh, as a, it's a confession that in the true body and blood of Christ, uh, the Lord's salvation is given to us and received as communicants. And of course, that the sacrament um, proclaims the Lord's death until he comes, as um, liturgical elements also indicate, or quoting St. Paul, right? So, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. We're, it's actually a proclamation of faith based off of what we've just received in Christ's body and blood. So we can sing with Simeon there. Uh, incidentally, sometimes we don't sing the Nuctimittis. I, I know I'm not always consistent. Um, there's often the case that our last, or, or the last distribution hymn that we sing ends with the same theme, right? Um, now, uh, you know, let it last, nine angels come to Abram's bosom, bear me home, for example, if we sang, Lord, thee I love with all my heart. That'd be a great way to end, um, because we're confessing the same thing as Simeon there, just not with Simeon's words. All right, so sometimes we do that as well. Why do you think verse 30 in particular then, having that instruction, for my eyes have seen your salvation, uh, particularly important for us to confess after the Lord's Supper? My eyes have seen your salvation. Yeah, this is a confession of faith again. We're confessing that we have seen Jesus upon the altar and we have received him for our salvation in the supper. All right. How would the child, remember the child, we talked about that yesterday, um, how would he be destined for the, or cause the falling and rising of many in Israel? I've preached a sermon on this. Uh, Christmas, was it the first Sunday after Christmas? Yes, I preached on this text right here. See if you, how much you remember. Yeah, believers in Christ are raised up in him, right? To eternal life. Uh, and those who refuse to believe in him, unbelievers, are cast down, they fall into everlasting condemnation. Right? So this is the the dividing line between faith and unfaith or belief and unbelief. Right? And it's Jesus. Either you're for me or you're against me, as he says. Who was the prophetess in the temple then? We have part two here of this reading. Verse 36. Yeah, her name's Anna. Uh, what tribe does she come from? She's the daughter of Phanuel. She's from the tribe of, there it is, Asher, right? Uh, what does Asher mean? Do you know? Asher, it means blessed, blessed, right? So she's of the tribe of the blessed, which of course is beautiful today in this text. <clears throat> so how is she truly a daughter of Asher then? Yep, yeah, she's been blessed. Um, to see the coming of the bridegroom. You see, you have all this language in here 
Now, not so much incidental from St. Luke about um, her marriage. How long had she been married? It says here for seven years, right, from her virginity, verse 36. All right, and then now how old is she? She's been a widow, and she's 84 years old, right? So probably been a widow then for, so she got married at 16 or 14 even, 21, 84, maybe 63, 60 years, something like that, right? What do you think the symbolism is? I mean, I don't think this is um, inadvertent that Luke Luke mentions uh, her marriage and then uh, Asher. But uh, what do you think symbolism of seven? Yeah, seven is the number of completion or perfect rest, right? Um, But did she attain it in this life or, or, or in her earthly marriage? Even better? No, right? But she will attain it, of course, through the eternal marriage the union to her heavenly bridegroom. So that's, I think that's what's going on here with the reference to marriage. Uh, what's, of course, the symbolism of her being a widow until age 84? There's some numerology going on here. There's quite a bit of that in Luke's gospel, actually, more than what's usually talked about. 84. So do some division there. See if you can come up with an even multiple. Those of you math nerds. Okay, take seven. Put 7 into 84, and what do you get? 12. 12. Now, you know about 12 as well, right? So 7 is a uh, strong biblical number, but 12 is as well, right? So this is 7 12s, which I think would suggest significant, um, signifies the perfect fulfillment of all the hopes of the 12 tribes. You have the tribe of Asher. It's right there, just a verse before. Uh, coming for the Messiah, who had been prophesied by the 12 prophets. Right, so we have 12 tribes, 12 prophets, um, and Jesus being the fulfillment, perfect, complete fulfillment, the heavenly bridegroom. Um, now, widows. This might actually... I'm trying to come up with a Bible study for the ladies. Uh, and we're not meeting this month, but we meet next month. This would actually be a really good topic. We were talking about women in the Bible. They thought that might be fun. I think maybe we should consider widows in the Bible. And then maybe widows in the church. That would be really interesting. Um, if any of the ladies <laughs> from LWML, our ladies Bible study, monthly Bible study, are listening, take note of this and remind me, okay? So I don't forget that we're going to look at widows in particular. All right, faithful widows. Um, but in Luke Acts, actually, we bunch, bump into a whole bunch of them. We could just do it here. So, for example, in Luke chapter 4, we meet um, one of them. Let's see here. Where is she? It's a couple verses ahead. Uh, oh, yes. In Luke chapter 4, it refers to uh, Elijah and the widow at Zarephath in the region of Sidon, and how um, there were many widows in, in Israel in the days of Elijah. So she was a Gentile, by the way. So that's an important note already in Luke chapter 4. Jesus comes to save the Gentiles, a light unto the Gentiles. Um, in Luke chapter 7, you have the widow at Nain, right? Uh, with the funeral bier being carried out with her dead son, her only son, uh, which is, that's actually uh, an essential detail, I think, as well, that you'll hear preached on. And she was a widow. And of course, Jesus saw her and had compassion on her and said, do not weep. Um, of course, she was a Jew. There's another widow who comes in Luke 8. 
13, there was a widow. Um, this is a, a parable, actually. Um, the widow, <laughs> Karen's watching. Good. Thanks, Karen. You keep note of it. Um, let Sandy and uh, the rest know. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversity. And he uh, would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard men, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, her lest by her continual coming she weary me. Right? So it's an interesting parable. I don't think that's uh, appointed in our liturgy. Right? But there, she's a Jewish widow in that parable. Uh, in Luke chapter 20, we bump into another one. Um, this is... Uh, a question about who may sit at his right and at his left. Yes, and then um, he says, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, who uh, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at the feasts. Here's the key. Who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. By devouring their houses, it means they have no living heir, and so then then the temple will just assume all of your assets that are remaining. Uh, of course, uh, the Roman church took that on, and <laughs> if you become a nun, you forfeit your inheritance into the, into the treasury of the, uh, the order that you join. Um, Luke chapter 21, and he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. This comes right after that. And he saw a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So the widow's mites, that's good for LWML, right? And so he said, truly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all for all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God, right? Another Jewish widow. Um, but in, in Luke book two, also known as the Acts of the Apostles, um, in Acts six, you have uh, in those days when a number of disciples, um, were, when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Those are um, Greek speaking Jews because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution, right? So the church saw it as its duty to provide for the widows and care for them as we pray in our litany. Um, and then, so those Gentile widows overlooked, Hellenist widows, so Greek, Greek by birth, but converts to Judaism and now to Christianity. Uh, and then you also have um, widows appear in Acts chapter 9. You see one of the tasks of the widows. Peter arose and went with them, and when he come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing their tunics and garments which Dorcas had made when she was with them. Right? This is at the death of Dorcas, also known as Tabitha. But Peter put them out. He knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And then uh, he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And so we have the widows there. Uh, one of their tasks is to weep with the dead. And of course, rejoice with the living. All right. So quite a bit on widows there. Uh, that'd, be, that'd be a fun study. And we can do that through the Old Testament too. Let's see. Uh, what is the importance of Anna's constant prayer? So you notice um, she did not depart from the temple, but served God with prayers and fastings day and night. Much like Simeon, she, yeah, she's committed in faith um, to waiting for the Lord who will come now as her bridegroom, right? Having lost her husband, she's looking forward to her eternal bridegroom. That's what's going on here. Of course, why did Anna give thanks? 
coming in at that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord. Yep, because the Lord had been faithful to his word, all who had looked for the redemption of Jerusalem. And that's what she proclaims. Redemption is here. Which, of course, is a confession of faith. All right, meditation on this text. The account of Simeon and Anna reminds us that there are or were many who still lived by faith as they longed for the day of the Lord's appearing. These events transpired at the temple because the dwelling place God of God was now in the flesh of Christ. Right, so there's that transference from the temple, Jesus. All that Israel had prayed for at this temple was now in that place and would go out from this temple to finally be the ultimate sacrifice at the cross. So even the sacrifices moved from the temple to the cross. The hymn of Simeon was a mini-sermon on the fulfillment of the promise and looked forward to the preaching of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Anna is like Israel waiting for her bridegroom. Just read Hosea, for example. She and the widows of Luke and Acts remind us of the way of faith, and that way is always trusting in that which we do not see and longing for the appearance of Christ, our heavenly bridegroom. He is the one who will raise up the sons of the kingdom as he raised the widow's son at Nain. And I'm thinking of another Bible study, but <laughs> not one that I know a terrible lot about, but I, I mentioned Hosea and just maybe um, talk a little, and we can work with widows, but even look at um, the role of marriage as a, um, type, as a type or as a shadow of our relationship to Jesus uh, in the Old Testament in particular. I know we know it from the New Testament, like Ephesians 5, but um, really from the Old Testament, that, that figure is probably neglected. All right. Confess our catechism for this week, seventh petition, but deliver us from evil. What does this mean? We pray in this petition in summary that our Father in heaven would rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation, and finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven. Conclusion. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And you'll note there the asterisks. The catechism originally just said amen, not the whole liturgical ending there. What does this mean? Namely, amen. This means that I should be certain that these petitions are pleasing to our Father in heaven and are heard by him, for he himself has commanded us to pray in this way and has promised to hear us. Amen, amen means yes, yes, it shall be so. Amen being a Hebrew word, transliterated into Greek, into Latin, and now into English, that has nothing to do with gender, just in case you missed that yesterday. <laughs> okay. Ah, silly prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation. And finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to yourself in heaven. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, you have commanded us to pray according to the promises of the Lord's Prayer and have promised to hear us. Give us firm faith in your words so that we pray with confidence, saying, Yes, yes, it shall be so. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I can't hear your amen, but uh, I appreciate that many of you now say amen boldly in church. Uh, keep it up. It's good. That's good for you. It's good for your neighbors, actually, to uh, boldly say amen in response to that which you agree with that you hear. I agree with by faith. Let us pray on this Tuesday for deliverance against temptation and evil, for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and oppressed, and for those struggling with sin. 
Pray to the Lord to give all people concord and peace, to preserve our land from discord and strife, to give our country his protection in every time of need, to direct and defend our president and all in authority, to bless and protect our magistrates and all our people, to watch over and help all who are in danger, necessity, and tribulation, to protect and guide all who travel, to grant all women with child and all mothers with infant children increasing happiness in their blessings, to defend all orphans and widows and provide for them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. On this day, we pray in Thanksgiving with Tyler, who celebrates his birthday. We also pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Jan, Bev, and Kelsey, Reverend Herzog, Billy Joe, Brad, and Janet, Timothy, Pastor Lindau, Sandy, and Linda, Joan, Ken, Penny, Romans, and his family. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray for our homebound, Bev, again, David, Willis, and Janice, and Mickey, and our mission of the month, uh, Lutheran Church Charities, Comfort, Dog, Comfort Dogs, as well as Sheboygan County Hispanic Outreach. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Prayer collect for this week. Almighty God, you have poured into our hearts the true light of your incarnate word. Grant that this light may shine forth in our lives. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we sing our hymn for this week, Within the Father's House. It's a lovely hymn for today's uh, text for catechesis, and of course for the Epiphany tomorrow. Oh.
concludes our congregation of prayer for today, January 5th, 2021. So good to have you with us all. Um, one note before you depart, so hopefully you haven't checked out yet. Tomorrow is the Feast of the Epiphany of our Lord. We will recognize it in our congregation of prayer. Just going to make sure of this before I speak too soon. Yeah, we'll recognize it in our congregation of prayer here in the morning. So we'll do some intense study on that text. Um, we won't be gathering for divine service in the evening. Um, although I'd love to to do that at some point to start gathering for these feast days um, in the evening, perhaps, or in the morning, whatever. Uh, but we're not to that point yet uh, in our life of faith, um, restoring those practices, but I'd love to do that. Um, but as even, even such, we will gather tomorrow evening um, at 7, 6.30, somewhere in there, for our resumption of the book of Hebrews. So we'll study the book of Hebrews, which really intersects lovely with uh, um, Epiphany and our Lord's sacrifice, as we're, especially as we move towards Holy Week. So we'll continue to have our Wednesday evening Bible study. I'm going to use a new platform for that, uh, which I used for the Band Books podcast yesterday. It seemed to work pretty well here from church, so I think I can do it here. And it allows me to share screens and put your chat questions up on the screen uh, in a way that this software that I'm using right now doesn't. So make plans now to be available tomorrow evening in the eve- uh, to gather uh, for Bible study and do some questions and answers on both Facebook or YouTube. Uh, and by the way, if you did join us a little late, I see Karen uh, jumped in at the end, you can always use the scroll um, and go back to the beginning of the broadcast, even if you come in late. So just you can catch up uh, with the live stream. And you can do that on both Facebook and YouTube as well. So we're available on both platforms. And for now, uh, not being censored, probably just being shadow banned, I don't think our posts are getting promoted, as most church posts are not getting promoted uh, any longer <laughs> by the algorithm. Uh, so actually feed the algorithm. Um, do leave your comments, do share the posts, and do like um, them as well. 
and subscribe to our channel. All of those things are ways then um, to convince the algorithm that the content that, that you receive here and that you benefit from, that you appreciate, um, others will too. And it will help do some organic sharing that way. All right, Lord be with you all, and we'll see you again tomorrow.